0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Hey, I'm excited to be here today. I want to read a passage of scripture, uh, as we would any week, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in and believe God to speak to us. Is that cool? All right, here we go. Psalm chapter 84. Psalm chapter 84. A beautiful poem I want to read to you out of the scripture today. Psalm chapter 84, which was actually referred to by Charles Spurgeon as the pearl of the Psalms. The pearl of the Psalms. There are some that maybe are more uh, emotional. There are some that are maybe more instructional. There are some that are maybe more easily memorable, but he referred to this one as the pearl, that valuable little surprise in the middle of the Psalms. Check it out. Verse 1. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young and place them near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. That's why we're going to have all sorts of times today where I might just say, come on, let's praise God. Because those who dwell in the house of God, they're always praising in the house of God. Uh, Blessed are those whose strength are in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it to a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Verse 8, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look at our shield, O God. Look at with favor your anointed one. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Verse 12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that you are the word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you presence yourself amongst us, that you illuminate truth to us. And so as we open this book today and we submit ourselves to his teaching, I pray that you would stir something up on the inside of us that would uh, cause us to be brought closer to you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. If you're close enough, give someone a high five. On your way down, if you're not close enough, pick a different seat next time. Get closer to somebody. Fantastic. Hey, great to be here with you today. Just got in from, uh, from New West, and uh, we had a great morning there this morning. It's kind of fun in our family. I rotate through uh, pairs of people who join me in New West. So Kezia and Oakley came with us today. It takes a full month. Jennifer and Zion come sometimes, and Kesey and Oakley, and they all have their, their partner. And uh, so we just had a great time there this morning. And here we are today, downtown, and uh, believing for great things. Today, if you're taking uh, notes, the title is. Uh, <clears throat> let's just try that sentence again. Today, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Dwelling. Much smoother the second time around. Dwelling. Very simple D W E L L I N G. Dwelling. Dwelling. We don't use the word. All that much, I suppose, in modern English, except for when we're referring perhaps to a multifamily dwelling or a a house, a real estate type situation, where you'd say it's a three-bedroom dwelling or it's a two-bedroom dwelling. It's a place to live. It's speaking of a place. Yesterday, I found myself in a place, a place with multiple purposes. It's called an Apple store. Apple stores, it's amazing. Apple stores, uh, there's a lot of different things going on in an Apple store. Different people there for a different purpose. When I'm traveling, sometimes I'll go to an Apple store. I have three reasons if I'm traveling to find an Apple store. Number one, free Wi-Fi. Anyone know what I'm talking about? If you can see an Apple store, you get free Wi-Fi. Number two is a free charging cable. Because if you you can't find the right kind of plug to charge your phone, you just go in, unplug one of theirs, put it down. They come over and say, can I help you? Say, you already are. No problem. I'm getting the power I need. Third reason, air conditioning. It's amazing. You're in a warm place. You see that Apple beckoning you, and you're like, man, I could get some free Wi-Fi, answer a couple messages, get a little charge, get recharged. Yesterday, though, I was not in the Apple store for that purpose. I I had an issue with my laptop, and so I was on my way to the back of the store, you know, on the back where it's the, the genius bar. Sometimes I question the word genius. It just seems like a bar. I don't know. Sometimes, like, when their first question is, so have you tried rebooting it? You're like, I could have probably done that. But uh, yesterday, I was having issues, so I went into the, the Genius Bar. The issue I was having is I would restart my computer, and then a message would come up and says, say, your computer needs to restart. Press restart. So I'd press restart, and then it would restart, and a message would come up saying, your computer needs to restart. Press restart. And so I would hit restart, and then you get it? You never ever felt like that in life where you're like, man, I just feel like I'm going back around the same thing again. But I was walking into the Genius Bar, making my way to the back, and I noticed there was different people there for different purposes. There were some people there who were clearly just with someone else who was shopping, okay? They were just kind of standing waiting like, is there any more watch handles you need to look at? Like watch straps, just pick one. I saw a guy standing there with just a wad of cash. He was just holding his, his – his, I don't know what he was planning to buy, but he was clearly planning to spend it and making sure everyone saw how much he had in his hand. He was just, just holding his cash. I saw that as we walked through, there was a table. At this table, an instructor was showing kids how to program these remote control balls. Like we're going up and over like a track and over little bumps. I thought, man, we did not do that when I was a kid. That's pretty cool. There was all these different purposes taking place in the one store, but it was just one place. Amazing that that where dwelling takes place, there are often multiple purposes, even if it's not a multi-family dwelling. In the context of one family, there are a few things going on at the same time, aren't there? There's some resting, there's some working, there's some preparing, there's some planning, there's some cleaning. There's some, there multiple different things might be taking place unless you're all alone, right? Unless you find yourself all alone in a dwelling place. That would be the only time where maybe only one purpose is being fulfilled. But today, as we gather in the house of God, there are actually a few different purposes playing out. Do you know when we gather together, the Bible says that we're mutually encouraged. That's one of the purposes for which we would gather. When we gather together, the the Bible is teaching. It says this in the Word of God, that whenever the Word goes forth, it doesn't go forth empty. It always brings back harvest. So when we When we preach the Bible, something incredible happens. When we gather together, we encourage one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We lift our voice, we sing, we worship. When we gather together, healing can happen. When we gather together, uh, uh, challenging of our own opinions can happen because there's different people who think differently than we do. All those things taking place while we gather together in the house of God in this particular passage it's speaking of dwelling and, and and in order for us to get a context for what it's speaking of we need to just go one other place so put your finger in in psalm chapter 84 or if you have You know, your Bible on your phone, you don't need to put a finger there. But flip over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, okay? Ephesians chapter 2. So we can understand uh, a lens with which to look at this passage, a lens for us to see appropriately what's taking place in this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, Ephesians 2.19 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and are also members of his household built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. Can someone say joined together? And it rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Come on, that is good news, that the dwelling place of God is not a brick and mortar. Oh, come on, guys. That's pretty exciting. Because if it were, if the dwelling place of God were brick and mortar, there'd be one of them, and you'd have to open up your phone and say, where is God? And then it would be like, oh, different continent. Okay. Uh, Directions. Oh, no directions provided. How do I get to where God is? The dwelling place of God is not brick and mortar. It's flesh and blood. The dwelling place of God is where his spirit chooses by his own pleasure to dwell in people. In the gathering together of people. And where two or more are gathered, God says, my spirit is also there. I'm gathering together with you. And we're the church. Like We could meet anywhere and be the church. We could meet. Have you ever been to a church in a, in a different city? Come on, put up your hand if you ever been to church in a different city. Ever been to a church in a different country? Ever been to a church which spoke a different language? Oh, isn't that amazing? And you're singing songs like, I don't know the words, but like, oh, the presence of God is here. It's amazing. Because God dwells amongst people. Have you ever been to church, not on a Sunday, and not in a setting like this, but just where some people got together, and they invite God into their presence, and all of a sudden you're like, man, we're having church here. Because those those... Things that take place, right? Challenging one another, being mutually encouraged, spurring one another on towards loving and good deeds, caring for one another's burdens, taking, th- those are the things the church does. And when we gather together where God dwells, life happens. So in that context, understand that. It's interesting, that that term joined together, okay? Joined together in the Greek language is this word, sinar, uh, sinarmo lego. I like that, lego. That's what I played with when I was a kid. I wasn't coding any remote control balls. I was playing with Lego. I was taking different pieces and putting them together and building whatever my imagination saw fit to do. And here's what the Bible says. God is taking you and I as individual pieces, and putting us together to build what is in his imagination, to build what he dreams of, to build a place where he might dwell. Isn't that amazing? One singular piece. Imagine having a single piece of Lego and being like, oh man, I love playing with Lego. What do you do with it? Well, I just, you know, kind of look at it and inspect it, count the bumps on the top, you know? But man, when you put that together with pieces that look differently, pieces that have different value, pieces that have different purpose, you actually can build something incredible. I love this because in Ephesians, this was being written to people who came from different backgrounds. And if you look around the room today, there are people who come from a different background than you. And God is joining us together. This was written to people who lived with different social realities or economic realities. And if you look around the room today, that would be true as well. There'd be people who live in a different socioeconomic standing than you do. And God is joining us together. This was written to people with different value systems and ideologies. There was different things that mattered to them, like deeply, passionately mattered to them. And when you look around the room, that would be true here as well. There are people who passionately care about things you've never once thought of. God is joining us together. There are people with different backstories. God is joining us together. That's what the church looks like. The church is beautiful. It's varied. It's imagined by God. It's the place where he decides and determines that he will dwell on the planet. So wherever, come on, say wherever. Wherever two more are gathered, God's there. Wherever we gather in his name, God presences himself. And the church is there. So in that context, can you just kind of hold that in your mind? Let's go back to, uh, to Psalm chapter 84 and understand that us as New Testament believers, post-cross, post-resurrection, in the last days where the Spirit will dwell amongst us, the dwelling place that is being spoken of is, is this, this gathering. This building was not purpose-built for church, but God was, had purpose in building it. You know what I'm talking about, in building us together, piecing us together from different backgrounds. How many people in the room, real quick, were not born in Canada? Put up your hand real high, wave it around if you were not born in Canada. Isn't that amazing? Come on, look at this room. It's beautiful, amazing. People brought from all sorts of places. We couldn't dream of something like this. We couldn't do it. We couldn't imagine it, that God would bring us here this day, this time, here in the middle of July in, in 2019 to put us all in the same place. And somebody here today going to be encouraged by what you bring into the room. By the faith that you bring. You're like, oh, I'm just having a really good summer. I don't know if I need church right now. Do you know how desperately we need you? you know how desperately we need the, the faith that you bring into the room? Someone else going like, I don't know what I can bring to church. I'm just really down. This has been a really hard time for me. Do you know how much we need you? We need someone to share our faith with. We need someone to share our strength with. We need something to do to put our hand to. Come on, let's read this in that context. Psalm chapter 84 says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are lovely. Someone's like, did I just lie right there? (laughs) You were just in an argument with someone (laughs) on your way to church, and now you're you're lovely. You're lovely. How lovely is the dwelling place? I love visiting churches all around the world. Wherever I go places, I love the uniqueness of church. But the most lovely thing about church is the people that actually make it a church. Not the edifice, not the architecture. As beautiful as those things are, it's the people. The people of God when they gather together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord? And then he goes on to some really emotional, intimate, almost romantic type language. Check this out. He says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for you, the living God. I mean, if you want the beginning of a love letter, use some of those words right there and uh, it's going to go well for you. Okay. My heart, my flesh, my soul, my, I'm just yearning. I'm longing. He's saying this. I just, I got to be where God is. Man, it's not just a, it's not just a priority that I cognitively cognitively have determined it. It's good for me to be in the house of God. I got to get there. I got to be there. I got to be around people because a house is not a home unless people are in it, right? You, You drive by an old building. What a beautiful home. Not really. It's just a beautiful house. But when people gather together, it can become a home. And I'm telling you, some ugly buildings can be beautiful homes when people are there. How beautiful is your house? How long to be in your house? And then starts talking about birds. I'm like, is this guy struggling to stay focused? He's like, God, I love your house. Oh, I love it so, 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 so much. My heart, my soul, my flat. Oh, bird. It's kind of funny, right? But it's interesting the birds he chose. He says, like sparrows, find a home where you live. And even a swallow can build her nest. Interestingly, a sparrow is often referred to as being a very little value, insignificant value. Like, like so much so that in, in the New Testament, Jesus speaking, he's like, man, aren't like five sparrows sold for two pennies? Like they're, like they're really sparrows are worth almost nothing, but they're all noticed by God. And how much more are you valuable? What he's saying here is this, even the insignificant finds a home in the house of God. You hear today say, I feel so unimportant, so uninspiring, so insignificant. I'm just a big blank nothing. Guess what? You are right at home here. Even a sparrow finds their home in the house of God. You're not insignificant. You're incredible value. There's a place marked out for you, set aside for you and only you, that only you can feel. You belong. And then a swallow. Have you ever watched a swallow? You're like, I live in the city. I don't know what that thing is. Okay, you're like, watch the swallow, like when somebody, you yes, uh, no. a swallow is a very restless bird. If you can catch a, a glimpse of it for just a moment, it's, it's off. But here's what it says, that in the house of God, a swallow can make a nest and raise their babies. I just think that's so beautiful that the poet would notice that the restless can find rest in the house of God. There's someone here, you are in constant transition. It wouldn't even be right to call it transition anymore. It's just the pace in which you keep your life. You're like, no, I'm not transitioning. I'm just restless. But you belong. And there's a place for you to find rest. And it's in the presence of God and his people. It's gathering together with people. How beautiful, how lovely is his dwelling place. How lovely is a place where God lives that the insignificant can find value and the restless can find value rest it's a beautiful place the church is a beautiful place I, I don't know about you i get frustrated with church sometimes and i'm the pastor <laughs> it's amazing but i get like you know like the church do you ever get frustrated like you're looking on facebook and why did you put that on your street side you're like street side sign why would you write that so it could become another meme and another joke why do you you know promote things that hurt What? What are we doing? But you know what? The place where God dwells is beautiful. It's not perfect. It's not without flaw because we're here. <laughs> if it was built with with like diamonds or something, who knows? But God chose to build His house with people, and, and we're, we're flawed, and, and we're imperfect. But God is in a process called sanctification, making us holy. We're on a journey to becoming exactly who He created us to be. And there's something beautiful in that journey, isn't there? So he says this, how lovely is your dwelling place? I really, 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 really love it. Birds find their home there. And then he says this, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're always praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. I I, I thought this thought this morning, and it got me so excited. And then I shared it in New Westminster, and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I will say this as many times as I have to until we, we catch how exciting this is. We get to live where God lives. Think about that. We get to live where God lives. Have you ever, have you ever picked a new place? Right? You, got, you moved to a new place? And, and don't you consider your neighbors or who you're living with? Like that matters, right? Location really matters. It's not like, oh, man, that square footage is awesome. Yeah, but it's, it's somewhere where you don't want to be, right? Imagine this. It's like, oh, man, this beautiful big bedroom. Only caveat, 24 other people live in here, but honestly, you're going to love it, right? They're like, no, I care, I care with whom I live. We get to live where God lives. This is his dwelling place, and there is a blessing that comes when we do life in proximity to where God is. It's just it's an advantageous in every way. It's better for us in every way. We're going to go on to see some of these better terms. Like it's just better in every way. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're always praising. Why? Because God's there. We get to live where God lives. And then it says, blessed are those who, whose strength is in you and who've set their heart on a journey, who've set their heart on a pilgrimage. Because catch, catch this, if we're going to live where God lives, we're going to live on the move. If we're going to live where God lives, we're going somewhere because God's on the move. If we're going to live amongst God, think of this. If the if the, the church is people that God is joining together, wherever you go, God is going with you. So wherever you go, you are occupying a space that God is now invited into by, by virtue of the fact that you're there. So your home becomes a, a part of the house of God. A- and your workplace becomes a part of the place where God dwells. And it says, blessed are those who set their heart on pilgrimage. In other words, like I'm determined for it. I'm focused on it. It's a priority to me. I'm not just happened to, like randomly stumbling a- a- upon being in community. I've put value on it because it matters to God. Blessed are those who have set their heart on a journey. So when you're on the journey, check this out. It says they can go through a valley called Bacha and make it a place of springs. Like, I've never been to that valley. This means this, a valley of tears. A valley marked by tears. And even in a place of tears, life can come. Even if, let, let me read it for you out of the Passion Translation. I thought this was, this was fantastic as I, I read this passage earlier. Uh, check this out, the Passion Translation of Psalm 84, speaking of this valley of tears. Check it out. It says, even when their paths wind through a dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain he gives them a brook of blessing filled with a rain of outpouring they grow stronger and stronger with every step and the god of all gods will appear before them in zion the other night i was on uh, i was on a run i've made it kind of a goal this summer i'm just going to run regularly so every day i'm i'm running about 5 kilometers and and uh most often it happens right at the end of the day cuz the day was full i'm like it's 12:30 time to run And uh, so I was out running, and often when I run, I listen to music. Maybe I listen to a, a sermon. This particular night, I decided to run... Uh, with like a story t- – it was like a running app where people tell their story. So it's kind of interesting. doesn't lead to really great run times because you're kind of distracted by the nuance of someone's story, but it was enjoyable. And this particular day, I was listening to the story of a man named Lopez who was from South Sudan and at age six was kidnapped and taken into a, a, a camp with child soldiers. And it was a, uh, a tragic, heroic, joyful, terrifying – Life story at six, his brother's friends who were also kidnapped said, we're going to get you out of here. They were about 13 and they committed to and actually helped set him free. And they all ran from South Sudan to Kenya. And in the process of the running, they they were outrunning soldiers with machine guns and leopards and all sorts of things. I'm like, I'm, I am in this run and I'm feeling a flood of emotions, but to be honest, it's like 1230 at night. I'm running through my neighborhood crying. I'm like, go, Lopez!" You <laughs> got I'm like, man, it's just amazing, those 13-year-old boys. I hope my kids will do that. One for what? You know, I'm just like thinking all these things. I'm like, oh, my runtime is terrible right now, and as I'm running, I'm feeling, I'm cheering them on, and I look up, and like, from me to the front row was a skunk right in front of me. And I scared him, and he scared me, and his tail went up, and I ran the other way. And it was amazing because I had had set up this run. I'm going to run up a hill for two and a half kilometers, then I'll turn, and then I get to make my way down the hill. It'll be like payoff. But when I saw the skunk, I ran right back up that hill. Like I'm getting out of this neighborhood right now. It was amazing because in in, like moments, I'm on a journey, and I'm feeling tons of different emotions. Isn't that the, the, the same for you and I? Like for the most part, we got all sorts of emotions going on. So I'm like feeling self-affirmed and empowered that I'm going on a run. Then I'm feeling like this compassionate emotion towards a a six-year-old boy who's a man now. He's not a kid anymore and he's not in that situation. But I'm feeling inspired by that and I'm scared of a skunk. And I'm all of these things all at the same time. And maybe that's true of you or maybe you say, I just feel one thing all the time. That thing is sad. That's what the Valley of Tears feels like. Just a singular emotion all the time. Going through a dark time. It says those who decide to invite God into their circumstance, who dwell in his presence, what's his presence? People. Those who who dwell in community in the midst of pain actually find joy in the midst of that season that would only be marked by tears. And then it says this, they go from strength to strength. Every other journey in life, you go from strength to weakness because you get tired. Right? I wake up in the morning full of energy. As the day goes on, I get a little more tired by the end of the day. I've spent all my strength. That's why I need some rest. But those who walk with God go from strength to strength. Someone here today, like I only have enough strength for one more step. Awesome. Take that one more step. And what you will find is you'll go from strength to strength and you'll have just enough energy for the next step. And then the next step, and then, then, and then momentum will start building. And you'll find yourself, what used to take everything out of me now is only taking a little. That's what it looks like to go from strength to strength. This is why I would say, blessed are those who dwell in your house. This is why. It's not like, dwell in your house and God will you know, he'll watch your attendance record. He'll be keeping track. And if you do it enough, then he'll start blessing you. No, no. It's actually a blessing to dwell in the house of God. Because walking through pain, you find yourself growing in strength. That makes no logical sense. And so I, I better get to my points here before we run out of time. Here we go. So there's our intro. Let me give you three little thoughts, okay? Three little points today. If the house of God is lovely, if this, th- this community of people is the place where he dwells, if he's calling us to live in that type of blessing in a place where he dwells, if it's true that we go from strength to strength, and it's true that the insignificant can find value and the restless can be at peace what should we do with that? Like, What do we ought, ought to do with that information? Let's go down to verse 10. I'm going to give you three quick things. It says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. This is a comparative term. A comparative term. Where he's saying, I could decide either A, to have one day in the presence of God, where he dwells. Where does he dwell? Amongst people. Amongst his people that he's called out or I could spend a thousand days doing my own thing like I could spend a thousand anywhere like pick a destination pick a pursuit like think of all the self-improvement I could do in a thousand days think of all the, the learning I could acquire in a thousand days. Think of all the new adventures I could go on in a thousand days. Think of all the new possessions I could acquire in a thousand days. Think of all the new opportunities I could mine for myself in a thousand days. Given a choice between the two, I will take the value that comes into my life in the one day over the thousand. There's more for me in one day than I could get for myself in a thousand you know, sometimes I think we're, we're uncomfortable talking about the gospel in such a way as if we're on the receiving end. I think we feel a little better about ourselves if we can be on the contributing end. If we're the ones who are doing, I went to church and I read my Bible. and I'm doing good things for the Lord and I'm working hard for as if we're bringing value to this equation. But God is the giver of grace. He, he's the one who's extending this beautiful gift of his presence. And it's actually just better. There are people who think, you know what, here's what i got to do. i got to lay out my whole life, get everything planned out appropriately, and then I'm going to have so much time for God. I hear it all the time, all the time. I'm coming into this really crazy season. It's going to, you know, the next four or five years are going to be intense. But then, then my life's going to get simple. Yeah, right. Right? Just got to quickly figure out my career, get married and have some kids, and then my life will be simple. (laughs) Tell that to someone who's married with kids and a career. Right, like we need. He's saying this. I've tried both. I need to prioritize being in in community because it's actually better for me. This isn't even noble. This isn't even like okay, fine. I will forego all the incredible things that could come in a thousand days. He's like, it's just better. Like I'm actually choosing the better option for me here. There's more value on this side because I used to read this. I'm like, wow, what a noble thing, right? Giving up all the thousand days just for one. No, he's going, I just, I've tried both. One, one benefits me more. Do you know what in life we'll always do what we most want to do? In every situation, we make a decision based on what we value. Every situation. And so everything we do, like I'm not saying the thing's done to us. That could get really weird or like I, something happened to me. I guess I wanted this. No, no, no. But the choices we make are always the thing we value the most. So when people don't know what their value system is, they end up making some very inconsistent choices because in the moment they were like hungry. Like, I don't know, I'm just kind of hungry and one thing led to another. That's what happened to Esau in the Bible. He was hungry and so he gave up his whole birthright of blessing like, like immense amounts of money because like, oh, that soup looks so good because he didn't understand a value system. For some of us, it's, it's not that, w- that we're perpetually, like we wouldn't have to be b- busy we just don't know what we value, so we say yes to everything. You know, like when you value things, you start saying no to the things that you don't value. You say no to some things so you can show value for what you do value. And here the, the author is saying simply, I've tried all this stuff. It's just better for me, to be honest. I get more out of the equivalent of one one thousandth of the effort, and I get more out of this. Better's one day. So I want to challenge you. Like, like show up, be around be with me now you're like this is so weird you are talking to people who are here about being here like we already got that one you are like the genius bar guy can we just move on of course no no i'm not preaching for today i'm preaching for for tomorrow i'm preaching for your future i'm preaching into into the years that come in our lives so awesome that that we're here today but in hebrews it says this don't get in the habit of not being together as people get in the habit of doing. have You ever been in that habit? We go, how did that happen? It's been a year. Like, what happened? Or like in a relationship, you're like, we haven't talked. What's it been now? Like 2007? How'd that happen? So I'm, I'm speaking into the future. Be here. Be around. Be with people. Prioritize it. Show some value for it. You have 168 hours in your week. And for many of us, we give God like an hour and a half on weeks that we're not too tired. we're doing this for you, God, because better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Be here. Be around people. Be in community. Take breaks. Take rests. Go on vacations. Like, like Be with your family. But in that that beautiful 168 hours you're given per week, find some time for, for God's house to live where God lives. It's better for you. Number two, it says this, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And really simple, I want to challenge you to do something. Don't just be here. Do something. Do something. And I love what he's saying. He's like, hey, this really like seemingly insignificant task. I would rather just, you know, be a greeter, just open a door, than to be on the receiving end of others serving me. To dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, like, hey, can I have a, can I have a, a San Pellegrino right now with a little bit of lemon? That'd be amazing. I would rather. Give value to others than, than receive value from others. And he's not saying again. It's not noble. This is not a noble thing. It's just it's better for me. I get more out of this. I get more out of serving than I do out of being served. See, you, you hear it's amazing. Pastor Dustin and Tessa, they're doing such a great job with the team here. And I know it would be a normal thing if you're on the team here, them being like, hey, thanks for what you do. And that's really, truly, in every way, genuine. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the way that you serve. But there's this revelation that comes to serving when, when you're like, oh no, no, thank you. It's amazing. I got to do something that serves someone else. I got to play a little tiny part in someone else's story. And you know, here, here's the imagery I want to want to give us today. Okay, he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper. You think of like a doorkeeper, they're not even where the action is, right? They're just opening a door so people can get to where the action is. But catch this: in the Bible, it says this: Enter into the courts with thanksgiving in your heart and praise. So when you are the doorkeeper, you are inviting people in to worship. You're inviting people in to praise. You're inviting people in to the doorway. Here's the thought I have for for you today, that by doing something, you actually bring the door to people in your life. You can bring the doorway right up to the people in your workplace and invite them in. You can bring the doorway right into your coffee shop and invite people in through testimony, through encouragement. You can bring the people right into your home. You say, man, my home is so dysfunctional. But guess what? You get to bring the doorway of the presence of God right into your home and say, come on in. Enter in with thanksgiving and praise. So, so be here and do something. Do anything. Like anything? Like I move a box there and then someone else picks it up and moves it back? and then, No, not anything. But find a way I'm telling you. If you have an interest, a gift, a passion, a little bit of time, like, like we need you. You're called. You, you have so much value. You're like, oh, like I'm an artist. Do you know what? Your art can be the doorway for someone to enter into relationship with God. <laughs> I mean, I, like I'm just a people person. Just a people person? Are you serious? You're like I don't have any skills. I just like people. You like to talk? Do you know what a gift that is? What a value that is? How well that can be used to invite people into the presence of God. You're like, I'm administrative. Thank you, Jesus. We've been praying for you. It's amazing. It's a gift I clearly do not have. If you know anything about me, we need you. You know your organization, your structure, and your systems can actually make an environment where people are comfortable to enter into worship with God. You say I only have a little bit of time. Then do what you can to use it. Do you know why this is so exciting? Because the person who serves. It's like putting seed in the ground. Imagine a farmer who puts nothing in the ground and then sits back and goes, "Whew, wonder what's going to happen. I think sometimes that's the approach we take with hope. We're like, I don't know. I hope something happens. But I'm telling you, I I have like biblical type of hope. I'm so excited for my future because I know the seed I've put in the ground. And all I have to do now is, is is Wait. And the Bible says it's a mystery. When you put seed in the ground, it's a mystery. I don't know how it happens under there. Science. But I'll tell you this. I'm confident I've put seed into the ground and given time and and given proper care, it's going to grow into something. So bless, I would rather serve in the house of God because I'm putting seed in the ground. I'm on the giving end. And the Bible says that when you give, it'll come back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your life. And so God who provides seed for the sower and bread to eat will actually make sure you have everything you need so that on all occasions and all times you can be generous. It is amazing. So I am serving in the house of God. And by the way, that's all I do in, in at Vivid Church. Like I'm serving and I get something out of this. And the team that's worshiping here, you know, they get something out of this. And the people who came and set up curtains, they get. it's not like, wow, thank you, guys. I know you hated every minute of it. That was really noble of you. We get something out of this. We are putting seed in the ground and creating an environment where people get to meet Jesus. This is the greatest thing. I'm telling you, there's so much joy to be found in serving people. So be here and, 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 and do something. And then thirdly and lastly, take something. You're like, "I'll take the TV." No, no. Take something. Like receive something. Get something out of it. Don't be don't be so noble that you're like, "No, I'm only here to serve." Have you ever heard that someone say, "I'm just here to serve?" Just? No, it's a great thing you're doing. But but God is not it's not a one-way street with God. As you're giving, you can also receive. Check out what it says here. Better's one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, then dwell in the tents of the wicked. And it says this: for for the Lord God is, is a son, and he's a shield, and he bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I, I like in, in the King James Version, it says this: He gives grace and glory. Think of that. He's a giver of grace and a giver of glory. Do you know all glory started with grace? And all grace will lead to glory. That's the way God does it. He's put these two things together. He gives this gift of grace, totally undeserved, and says, over time, watch this, I'm bringing you into glory. He gives a gift of salvation. goes, I'm bringing you into heaven. He gives a gift of of his spirit. He goes, I'm bringing you a place where your gifts are going to be used to help people. Glory and grace. So don't be here like, I'm just here trudging along, serving, doing it for others, you know, pouring on my heart. You can actually... Give and receive at the same time. I actually think it's the greatest way because you're creating this current in your heart where everything I have, I'm just pouring out, and God goes, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to give glory and grace to that. You say, I don't even know what I need. Well, guess what? God's the sun. In other words, He will illuminate what you need. I don't know what I'm going to face. Guess what? God is a shield, He'll protect you from whatever you might face. There's a lot to receive from the house of God. There's a lot to receive from dwelling where God dwells, living where God lives. There's life and life evermore. And so it says simply this, blessed are those who have put their trust in you. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vividchurch. Or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.